If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is where we are today. Last week, I started a brand new series called Made for More, that God has made you for more. And what if, what if we are not experiencing all that God has for us? And so we looked at this issue last week of more assembly is required. In other words, there's some things that we have to get, do. There's some things that we have to make a decision to come into community, come deeper into community. And so this week, I'm going to talk to you about this issue. The fact is, the title of the message is, is More Consistent Prayer. I'm going to talk to you about this issue of prayer. Now listen, I want to help you understand this issue of prayer. I mean, you heard it in the, in the testimony with Chief and the baptism, that it was in prayer that he had this communication with God, and God communicated to him that he needed to do something. He needed to respond, and you saw the results of that this morning. I want to talk to you about this issue of just more consistent prayer. And I don't know where you are in your prayer life, whether, whether you're really not consistent in that, whether you are consistent in that. I just want to help you with this value. See, there's something that's called a keystone value or keystone principle. Keystone principle is simply this. It's a habit or a ritual that you do daily that has a cascading effect into your whole life. It makes your life better. And so they've studied like, like successful people who are really disciplined people, and they would tell you, we have some habits, we have some rituals, we have some things that we do every day that has a cascading effect into our career, our profession, into our life. It makes our life better. And some people will tell you, you know, for me, a, a keystone principle would be exercise. When I exercise, I feel better, I have more energy, I have clear, clearer thought, I'm able to reduce stress in my life. And so for me, for me it'd be that issue of, of exercise. Some other people would say, you know, it's healthy eating. When I eat healthy, I feel better, I have lower cholesterol, I think better, I, you know, all of those things. And so for them. And so I'm praying this morning. Listen, I'm just praying this morning that if you do not have a keystone principle of your life in prayer, where you would say, when I pray, when I start off the day in prayer, it has this cascading effect in my life, and my life is better because of that. I just want to walk through this just simple passage that we're going to look at. The disciples come to Jesus. In fact, is, let, let's just read it. We'll start in Luke chapter 1, and I'll give you a few principles. And, and, and here's, here's what Scripture says, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It said, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's important. He had a place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as John taught his disciples to pray. Listen, we don't know if it's like all the disciples that wanted to know how to pray. We didn't know if they all cared about this. We know only one came to him. We don't know if he was like the spokesman of the group. Or, or maybe it was just his desire to pray and the, the, the other disciples were like along for the ride. We don't know. But the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? I mean, John, I mean, we heard of John's life group. John's like teaching his life group to pray. Amazing things that are happening in his life group. They're all talking about it. And so would you take time to teach us? I, I don't know if you know this, but there's a difference in knowing how to pray or teaching someone how to pray rather than teaching someone to pray. You may know how to pray. I mean, you may know it. But the real question is, is, is have you learned it? to where you're applying it to your life, to where all of a sudden it's made a difference in your life. And so the disciple comes to Jesus and he says, would you teach us to pray? And so Jesus gives them like, like, a, a, like a pattern of prayer. He gives them like the Lord's Prayer. And he says, well, we'll pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then, and then Jesus walks into a parable. It's just a story. He walks into a parable to help them, to teach them 
to pray. And so here's what the, Jesus said, Luke chapter 11, verse 5, he says, and he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who, who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If a son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are, who are evil, who are imperfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is just a simple prayer. It's a story, of, it's a story about prayer. It's a story to help us understand this issue of prayer. This man, when we read the story, we just picked up the story. This man had a friend, right, that came and knocked on the door about midnight, I mean, that, that's an uncomfortable thing, right? I mean, if, if someone knocks on your door at midnight, one in the morning when you weren't expecting them, it's kind of an uncomfortable thing, right? Uh, it happened to us, Karen and I, about, five, about 10 years ago. It was about 1 or 2 in the morning. All of a sudden, there's a, someone rings our front doorbell, and they didn't just didn't ring the front doorbell. They rang the front doorbell and then banged on the door and rang the door, doorbell and banged on the door. And, and so we woke up and... I thought Karen should have answered it, and she thought I should have answered it. And so uh, I just don't wake up well. I don't. And I don't process well. But anyway, I, I, I went and answered the door. And so I, I looked through the, the glass, and I, I recognized his face. I didn't know his name. I recognized his face. I knew that he, he had most likely attended at Fellowship of the Rockies. I think I knew his mother. And so, uh, so I, I made a decision. I'm, I'm, I'm answering the door. So I opened the door and says, may I help you? And listen, I wasn't processing well. I wasn't really awake. And so this guy tells me, he tells me, he says, he says, Pastor Charlie, he says, I've been to your church and I need $20. I ran out of gas on Pueblo Boulevard. Is there any way you could like give me $20? And I go, oh, you know what? Let me go get a gas can uh, out of the garage. I'll meet you in the driveway. I'll get my truck. I'll take you down to Loaf and Jug. We'll fill it up and uh, get you some gas, and I'll take you back to Loaf and Jug, and I'll fill up your, your tank. And he goes, no, no, I don't want to imposition you. I just need 20 bucks for gas. I'll walk back. I'll handle it. You go back to bed. Now, listen, I wasn't thinking, so I gave him 20 bucks. I gave him cash. And so I gave him 20 bucks, went on back to, to sleep. About six or eight weeks later, later, I'm reading in the Pueblo Chieftain, there's an article with his picture. It's an article, and the, and, and the police need some help because they've arrested this guy because this guy has been scamming senior citizens for $20 to, to buy meth. Now, listen, I don't know what I was more upset over, that I was considered a senior citizen or a, a body meth. I was really conflicted. I mean, I was really conflicted here. <laughs> I'm like, really? You know, can I tell you more of the story and then we'll move on? Six years later, I'm on the golf course and I'm, I'm with, a, with, with, with three friends. And I'm walking the golf course and all of a sudden, like the mower guy, all of a sudden shuts, shuts down the mower as we're walking by. He shuts it down and screams, hey, Pastor Charlie. And he comes running over to me. And so I walk over to him. My buddies, you know, they keep walking. And so I walk over to him and he like hugs me. It's that guy. 
And, he, and he's like, hey, Pastor Charlie, please forgive me. I feel so bad what I did to you. And, and uh, please forgive me. I'm in. And I says, yeah, that's fine. I forgive you. He goes, you know what? I did my time in jail. I'm sober. I'm doing well. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I says, no problem. And, and so I talked with him a little bit. Went and joined my buddies. My buddies asked, what was that all about? And I said, oh, that was just some guy I bought meth for. And so I... Uh, <laughs> So I had to explain that. I had to explain that whole thing. But, but back to the story. If, so if somebody, if somebody shows up at your house unexpected and they need something, it is, it, is un, it is uncomfortable. So here's what happened. This man had a friend, and a friend came to his house and said, I need bread. I need three loaves of bread. This man didn't have it. I mean, I mean he wanted to meet the request. He didn't have it. So he goes to his neighbor's house. And he starts banging on his neighbor's door. Now, listen, for you to understand this parable, this story, you have to understand homes in, the, in this time. I mean, the, the homes in this time, in fact, is you can go to Israel and you can actually see them. They're very, very small. They had one, many of them had one room. And so everything happened in that one room. They, they ate meals together. They, they, uh, they hung out together. They entertained guests together in that room. Oh, and they all, the whole family slept in that whole room. I mean, they were all together. Now this makes a little bit more sense. So this guy is like banging on the door, and, 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 and he's, he needs something. And so the, the, the guy, the man, he doesn't even get up, right? He doesn't go to the door. He just whispers, what do you want? Because he's trying not to wake up the house. And because his man knows if, if, if I get up, I'm going to wake up the whole house. I mean, if, if I get up, my wife is going to ask me, what does he want? What are you doing? He's always oh, he needs three loaves of bread, and I'm going to give it to him. Don't give it to him. That's for breakfast in the morning. I don't have time to get up early and bake. We won't have anything to eat. Don't give it to him. But he also knows that if he gets up, and you know how it works with cupboards, and he opens up the cupboard, it's going to squeak. And when it squeaks, the dog's going to start barking. The kids are going to get up. The teenagers are going to get up. They always get up angry. And so they're going to get up angry. It's going to be a horrible situation. So this guy says, my family's asleep. Do not bother us. The door's locked. The kids are asleep. Go away. But this guy keeps pounding on the door. He didn't take no for an answer. See, Jesus said, if your neighbor will grant an untimely request, how much more will a loving father respond to your quest? The question for you this morning, the way you view God affects your prayer life. The way you view God affects the things you ask him for. Do you view God as a good father? Do you view God as a loving father? Do you view God as a father, a good father that wants to give you good gifts? That wants to make sure you're taking care of your needs or met? Because, see, I'm telling you, the way you view God, the way you see God affects this issue of prayer. Affects this habit of prayer. Affects this issue of being consistent in your prayer. Listen, I am still growing. None of us arrived in this issue of prayer. But I'm telling you, I am learning and we are learning. That God desires to answer your prayers and to take care of you. So three things this morning about this issue of prayer. The first thing is this, relentless prayers are effective. Relentless, consistent prayers, however you want to phrase that, are effective. This, this man had a friend who had a need. In, in some respects, he was interceding for his friend. This wasn't, a, this wasn't something he needed. This is something his friend needed. 
He couldn't meet the request, so he goes next door. And so I just want you to understand that prayer should be daily. Prayer should be consistent. Prayer should be a habit. Prayer should be something we do. Prayer should be something, something that we do and someone that we, and, 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 and it should be an expression of, of who we are. It should be a regular discipline. You learn to ride a bicycle. How? By, by riding a bicycle. And guess what? You learn to pray just by starting somewhere. You learn to pray by praying where you make it a, make, make it a daily discipline. You, when you realize that he's asking for bread, and bread's a pretty small thing. Now, listen, the closer you get to God, the more you are of our need of him, our inadequacies, our need for forgiveness, our need for him to meet some needs. There's a, there's a sense that we just, we just need him. This is a pretty undignified thing that this man did. I mean, in their culture, this is like unheard of. But he was desperate. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, again, he's talking to the disciples about this issue of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and so Jesus says, and, and when you pray, not if you pray, just when you pray. Do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so and Jesus said, pray like this, and then he gave him the Lord's Prayer. I think sometimes we make prayer so hard, and I think sometimes we make prayer so religious it no longer is life-giving. Some people that believe, you know what, if I pray and I use a lot of theological terms and I, I use King James Version, only English, and, and I use terms that nobody really understands and, and it's just eloquent and all of those other things, God will hear me. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus is talking about, just keep it simple. Jesus is talking about, I, I just want to come into a relationship with you. I, I, I hope you know this. All of us have, as believers, as followers of Christ, we have direct access to him 24-7. We don't have to go through a church. We don't have to go through a person. We have direct access to him. And all we have to do is just have a conversation, keep it real. I mean, a, a prayer may be religious, and it may be uh, technically good, but listen, if it is not from the heart, it will not change you. It's this issue of just coming to him. And having a relationship to him. A conversation, if, if you will. I mean, my mom lives in that, that state that I'm not allowed to talk about. It's like a thousand miles away. And my mom's 87 years old. And she's like, she's still living by herself. And, and doing really, really well. And if you were to call my mom and ask my mom this question, I know what she would tell you. But my mom would rather talk to me daily for like five or ten minutes a day. Rather than once a year for an hour. Or when I'm in a crisis, or when I'm having a problem, my mom desires because of the relationship. My mom desires that it would be consistent. And you know what? I'm I'm willing to bet you're the same way with a husband, a wife, relationships, friends around you, and God is the same way. That's why Paul said that his prayers without ceasing. And I think we've made prayer so complicated and so challenging that a lot of people don't jump in. I told you up front, my goal is that this prayer would become a keystone principle in your life. It would become a habit. You know one of the ways you start a habit? Is set the bar so low you can't fail. And then build from there. That's what they tell you. The easiest way, a lot of times when people want to start a habit, they set the goal so high they fail in day one and so they quit. 
the easiest way to start a habit, to change something in your life. So let me just, let me just help you. Just set a goal. Set a time, set a place tomorrow. Man, I'm going to start, and I'm going to pray for two minutes, three minutes, and then I'm going to add to it as I get better. This issue of, of prayers, relentless prayers are effective. The second thing is this. Bold prayers are effective. Bold prayers. Listen, bold prayers. Karen and I are praying some of the boldest prayers we've ever played in our life in ministry. And we're watching God do some amazing things. Bold prayers. Bold prayers are effective. This was a bold request that this man had. This was culturally, this is unheard of. Culturally, you did not do this. I mean, isn't it right? The guy could have waited till the morning. He didn't have to bang on the door at midnight. He literally could have waited till the morning, but he didn't because it's, it, it, this is urgent to him. This is a bold thing that he did. How many times are we afraid? Man, I, I've had conversation after conversation with people this weekend about this issue of prayer, down front or in the lobby, and people have been, been talking to me about this issue of prayer. And one of the things I've learned and one of the things we've talked about is this issue of, of, of some people that are just worried about, this, about a bold prayer. What if God says no? Man, don't say God's no for him. Then just be bold. Some of you, so worried about this. Some of you, God has said no to you in the past. And as a result of that, you become kind of cynical about prayer and cynical about this issue. And come to the place to trust him. Come to the place to process through that. Come to the place to, to where you just have, you have bold prayers. I mean, Jesus, when Jesus went back to his hometown, he went to Nazareth. He goes back to his hometown. As he's walking away, Jesus makes this statement, and he says, I wanted to do so many miracles. I wanted to do so much there, and I couldn't do it because of their unbelief. I don't want that to be said of my life. I don't want it to be said of my life that Jesus would say, you know what? I wanted to do so much more in your ministry. I want to do so much more in your life. But you know what? I couldn't do it. You just wouldn't ask. You, you you had unbelief. Just this issue of prayer and boldness and not caring. Listen, not caring. This guy, when he goes next door, he didn't care what anybody else thought. Many, many years ago, uh, Brittany was newly married, or Amanda was newly married. Brittany and Corey were already married. And so our family was going through, like, going through something, and we needed God to do something. And so the girls were coming in on a, on a Sunday, and they were going to go to church with us. And Saturday night, it came in from services, and Karen says, you know what? I, I believe God wants us to respond as a family to the prayer request, to the prayer response. And we need to go down, and we need to pray as a family. And we need to be bold, and we need to ask God for this. And I'm like, well, I don't. And she says, well, I do. And I says, I don't. And she said, why don't you think God wants us to do this? And I'm going to be transparent and honest with you. The reason I didn't think he wanted to do that is because I was worried what you would think when the pastor and his family come and kneel at this altar. What would everybody in the congregation think that we're going through and all of those things and the commentaries that may come as a result of that? And Karen says, well, I care more God thinks. So um, I just think we need to do this. 
And so that next service, I called for prayer response, and then I look over here, and I, I watch my whole family come down. And, and I, I did the right thing. I joined them. <laughs> so many times I'm worried about some of you. You know you need to respond, and you're afraid what people will think. People ask me sometimes, are you, are you worried about the number of people that respond in prayer? I says, no, I'm really not. The people I'm worried about are the ones that need to respond and don't. See, this man, this man was bold. I mean, look at this, James, James 4, 2. It says, you desire, you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then here's, here's a statement. You do not have because you do not ask. Don't say God's no for him. A couple of, couple of days ago, I was, it was a snowy day, and I had to go to Walmart. I run in Walmart. I'm, I, I have a hoodie on, and, and I'm coming out of Walmart, and I pull the hoodie over my, my, my head, because, mainly because there's Girl Scouts. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I know that if I look them in the eyes, I lose. And so... Uh, <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm walking out, and this, this sweet little girl, I heard her voice. I, I just kept, kept focused. And, and so she says, hey, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And I said, as nice and as friendly as I could, I says, no, thank you. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Maybe next time. And so I keep walking, and all of a sudden I hear this sweet little voice, Pastor Charlie, is that you? I'm like, no. <laughs> so I bought a bunch of Girl Scout. I bought her out. I bought her out. Like, oh my word. <laughs> That's right, 10 minutes. Man, she didn't take no for an answer. And we shouldn't either with God. Watch this. We, we just moved through this in verse 9. He says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you who ask? And what a promise. Ask, seek, and knock. And, and I know if you're, if you're a thinking person, you can like push back right now and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've prayed for some things and they did not happen. Me too. There's a mystery. Do not take the mystery out of prayer. I think so many times in life when we take the mystery out of the prayer and we, we lose that mystery that it becomes stale, it becomes dry, I'm telling you, I have prayed for some things and they did not happen. You can go through Scripture. And you find the same truth, right? And sometimes I think Scripture is a little bit more honest about this issue of prayer and how God answers prayers than some Christians. Abraham. Abraham, like, prayed that Sodom and Gomorrah would be spared, and yet fire fell. Moses, Moses prayed that he could go into the promised land, but yet Moses died on the wrong side of the Jordan. David prayed. David prayed that his son would not die. His son died. Paul prayed over and over for an ailment. Something was going on in his life that God would remove a thorn, the thorn in the flesh for him. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. 
Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that if there's any way that this cup can pass before me, and yet he became the cup. And, and he says, if there's any way that this cup can pass before me, just let it happen. And yet he went to the cross. If Just telling you this morning, if your view of prayer is, is that you're going to receive whatever you ask for, then you will give up and you will quit when you don't receive it. Verse 13, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, give to you? Key phrase is like good gifts. And if my grandkids ask me for a pet snake, I'm probably not going to do that. I might give them a cat to frustrate their parents. I'm not a snake. Here's what I know. If you'll be consistent in prayer, if you'll be relentless, if you'll keep asking, God will give you what is best for you, even though you may not understand it. You keep seeking, you keep asking. See, there's something about consistent prayer. There's something about this. It helps us to define our priorities. It helps us to define what we really need. It helps us to understand who God is. It helps us to understand we're dependent on him. And if you keep knocking and if you keep asking, Maybe that door won't open for you, but God will open another door for you that's better. I think we need to be thankful that prayer and prayer requests, answers to prayer are not unconditional. Wasn't Elijah the prophet Elijah in his ministry? He got so depressed that he actually prayed, God, just kill me, kill me now. And God said, no, I have something better for you. I have a purpose for you. Have you ever thought that the reason we don't pray and we don't pray bold prayers is we can't handle a no? Many years ago, our grandkids, Gavin was four and Micah was two and a half. And, and Micah and Gavin, totally different. Gavin cannot, cannot, in his mind, cannot handle a no. And so it was at that age, and I don't know if you've been around kids at that age, but you ever been around kids and they're so young they don't know how to whisper? I mean, they think whispering is just getting close to your ear and talking at a normal level, and that's whispering. They don't realize everybody else can hear them. And so we're at a birthday celebration, and Gavin and Micah are over at the swings. We're up at Brittany and Corey's house. And so Gavin tells Micah, hey, Micah, go ask Pop-Pop if he'll swing us on the swings. Well, I heard the whole thing. He thought he was whispering. I heard it. And so Micah, Micah comes over and says, hey, Pop-Pop, will you swing us on the swings? I'm like, no. <laughs> and so Micah goes, okay. He goes back over to Gavin. He says, Gavin, Pop-Pop said no. Heard the whole thing. Gavin loses his ever-loving mind. I mean, he's crying. He's laid out on the ground. It's like I told him, I hate you. I don't want you in my family anymore. I don't want to ever see you again. And, I mean, he loses. See, what Gavin didn't know, we we're about ready to have cupcakes we had something better than swinging cupcakes, beat swings every day. And Gavin did not know that. A few minutes later, we call the boys and we say, hey, we're having cupcakes. And they come over. Gavin still is trying to process out the no. Micah is eating his cupcakes. He's eating them and loving them. Gavin cannot enjoy his cupcakes because he still cannot get over the no. Some of you may be like that. You have prayed. And God said no. And God is blessing you right now. And you can't receive the blessing. You can't accept the blessing. Because you're still trying to process, process out the no. 
come to the place where you just trust him? Do you understand that he's a good father who desires to give you good gifts? The last thing is this. Genuine prayers are effective. Genuine prayers are effective. Genuine prayers from your heart. Genuine prayers that, that, I mean, you look at Jesus' life. He prayed. He prayed a lot. He prayed before a miracle, after a miracle. He prayed walking. He prayed in the garden. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed before he chose his disciples. You just look at his life, and he prayed. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it said, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he, there he prayed. And so he had, a, he had a time, and he had a place to pray. That's so important. He had triggers that would help him to remember to pray. And, and so where's your place? Where is that place? Where is that place for you? Where is that time for you? In the morning after you make coffee or before you go to work or before you get out of bed. I just real quickly, I just want to give you just a, a, a rhythm that I do. And it's, I just took it. In fact, as I learned this from Peter Gregg. And, and so it, it's just acrostic to the word pray. Uh, I, was, I was taught when I learned to pray acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But what I find today is we don't use those words a whole lot. And so I, I spend more time trying to explain those words than helping people to pray. And so I've just taken, listen, acts fits into this. If that's what you use, that's fine. I still use that. But the P in pray is just simply pause. I just come to the down and come to the place. I put down my wish list. Uh, uh, Psalm 4610, it just simply says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And, and it's, just, it's just the stillness. And I just still my mind, and which is so hard for me to do. And I just remember, God, you are God, and I am not. You're in control, and I am. The fact is, you're in control of governments. You're in control of the nation. Some of you, that'd be a great verse for you to pray. After you watch, you know, cable news or Fox and CNN, ABC, NBC, whatever, and it just unsettles you about the political climate and what's going on, it would be a good thing for you to pray. What helped me, because I, in my mind, sometimes it's hard for me to stay focused, and Jesus' stillness doesn't mean being inactive. I mean, when you look at how Jesus prayed, sometimes he drew in the sand. Sometimes he was walking the Mount of Olives, you know, you know, different places that he was going. He walked a lot, was on the Sea of Galilee. He just walked a lot, and we know he walked and he and, and prayed. And so sometimes he drew in the sand. Sometimes he walked. He guarded the Gethsemane. He, like, throws himself on, on the ground. And so, listen, stillness doesn't mean not being active. And so for some of us, right, some of us, it, it, we could pray when we're exercising, uh, when we're walking, when we're hiking, when we're walking a golf course, when we're a hobby, and there's something about engaging the mind and the soul at the same time. So the P is just to pray. It's just to pause, just to come to that place and still your mind. The R is just to rejoice. I mean, just come to that place. You haven't made any requests yet. Just rejoice. Uh, one, one psalm, would, one of my favorites, Psalm 118, 24, it was a psalm that Jesus prayed before and read before he went to the cross. It said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you just list out the things you're grateful for. You list out the things, and it, it's just a statement that you make in the morning. It's a statement that you make regardless of what happens today. I am going to remember this is the day the Lord has made. And I will be thankful. I will be grateful. I will rejoice in it. Oh, and I will be glad in it. That's such a statement of faith to where you come to that place and you just list out the things that you're thankful for. List out. And then the A is ask. 
And I got some things I, I'm going to ask for. I, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I got my list that I need. Verse 9, it says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. When you read this in the Greek, it's in the aorist tense, which means continual action. It's actually where the title came up. More consistent prayer. More, more consistent prayer. Then prayer, listen, prayer is still a mystery, right? That's why I don't know why some people are healed and some people aren't. I know this. James and Paul and other people of Scripture instructed the church, you pray for the sick and you comfort the sick. Because not everybody's healed. Prayer, listen, prayer is a mystery. The last thing is this, is just yield. Just yield to him. We use life journaling here. That's one of the things that I use, and I just take Scripture. And in fact, is yesterday we read Psalm 27, 7, and, or Psalm 27 in life journaling. It says, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Do you realize God is inviting you into a conversation? And my heart responds, Lord, Lord I am coming. In verse 11, it says, teach me, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path for my enemies are waiting for me. I am asking you, and I am asking you to build a keystone principle of prayer in your life. Just make a commitment wherever you are and say, Lord, tomorrow, here's the time, here's the place, here's how I'm going to do this. And set the bar so low you cannot fail. Two minutes, three minutes. I'm going to pray. And Lord, I'm going to keep adding to it as I learn to pray. And I see what you do in my life as a route. I'm praying that you would develop a cascading principle in your life where you would say, you know what, if I don't start my day out in prayer, my day is not the same. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?